one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, everyone, welcome in. Red Sox beat, of course, here. My name is Jared Scali, alongside Jess Thomas. Come in, stay for a little while. You know, got plenty of plenty of baseball to talk about before we get going. Don't forget, this show is, of course, brought to you by lynda.com. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com from CLNS Radio. Uh, we've been doing it for a while now, since the new year. If you go on to CLNS, um, I always do this, Jess, always do that. lynda.com backslash CLNS. You get your free 10-day trial. To lynda.com, plenty, 4,500 different courses on there. You can do sports blogging, photography, fitness, visual design, anything you think of, all taught by expert, uh, expert professors, whatever you want to call them. They're great. They know their stuff, and you can get free 10 days of that, free 10 days of knowledge from us just for listening to CLNS Radio. So go on there, claim your free 10-day trial. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, so Jess. Yes. What's, go- what's going on, my friend? Well, you know, we got some baseball stuff going on and some more snow and – Someday the snow will be gone and we'll actually be warm. And well, actually, it's supposed to be 47 on Wednesday, so there's some warm for you. It's gonna rain, thank God, because it's gonna rain too. So maybe it'll melt a little bit of this crap that's sitting outside. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot of that <laughs> to melt yeah, all that. It will, well, we're we're probably gonna be breaking that all-time snow record up here, Jess, because uh, we're getting a few inches, probably a chance of six inches on Thursday, a couple more tomorrow. Really? Not looking good. Like, we're gonna be. This is a record winner you're a part of. Just take it all in, embrace it. Should we embrace it though? I don't think that's the record that you want to be a part that's, of. I mean, at this point, we're almost out of it. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Almost speaking, almost out of it. Don't forget, we're going to remind you right now that don't forget to turn your clocks ahead this weekend. Oh yeah, March eighth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lose an hour of sleep, but you get some wonderful sunlight in exchange. So, take the sunlight; you can gain your sleep back. Absolutely. That also is a good sign. That means baseball is coming, and we're going to get out of the abyss that is winter in New England. And there's lots to talk about, and we've been on. We were on last week, of course, but we haven't been on since the David Ortiz fiasco because I think I believe that happened the day after we recorded. So sorry, we didn't get to it, but we're gonna get to it now. We're gonna kind of get our thought. You're gonna get our thoughts on it, and then we're gonna move on. But if you don't know what happened, you're living under a rock. But if you don't know what happened with the Red Sox, then there here it is. David Ortiz was talking to the media, and they told him that they asked him what he thought about the new rules about the pace of play and having to keep one foot in the batter's box and all this stuff and. David Ortiz apparently hadn't heard it before because he seemed pretty shocked by the news. And he cursed and lashed and said he didn't like it and thought it was bull bleep and didn't, <laughs> didn't think it was a good idea and thought, tried to put the attention on the pitchers, saying the pitchers do all this crap behind the mound too. Why are we not paying attention to them? And he's got a, he's got a Madroy, point about that. He does have a point. Dustin Madroy, his teammate, second baseman of the Red Sox, came out and backed him up on it. And I think they're right, um, but you're going to have to have a – medium ground. I think he had every right to do that, especially where it was the first time he heard it. You're kind of getting his initial reaction. But I, I think overall, he has the good points. He has the arguing points. And, but like at the same time, you work for Major League Baseball. You're getting paid all this money. His excuses were he needs to think about the pitching. He watches all this film and all he gets paid to hit. You can think with one foot in the batter's box. Plus, he's played a long time. I think he probably knows, knows what to do at this point. Yeah, like you know you've, most of the pitchers you face all year, you've faced before. And you can again. You can think with one foot in the batter's box. I don't think you have to worry about. You shouldn't have to sit there and go, "Oh, well, my other foot's in the batter's box, so I can't think straight. I need to walk around." Like, no, keep your foot in the batter's box, David. I'm a big fan of yours. You're a good player, but you're wrong on this one. He made great points. He did, but I think overall he needs to meet with the meet with the league and 
I believe him for a little while. He's probably going to take that fine. There's a five hundred dollar fine every time. Are, are they really going to enforce it though? I don't know about that. Uh, uh, if they do, if they do, he's going to be losing a lot of money. Well, sure. I don't remember what the exact number to the math of last week when it came out. I don't remember what the number was, but it's it's like I think it's like fifteen percent of his like salary would be coming out just because he didn't want to take his foot. He wanted, didn't want to keep his foot in the box. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And like to him, it's not a big deal. But there's some guys in the team, on these in this league. It doesn't make don't make a lot of money. So I think it'll be enforced. You're gonna have. To, I think there will be a warning, then a fine, and some suspensions. There's more than just fines in there. I don't remember the exact rules, but overall, just I just think Ortiz was. I mean, you know that was coming. He's starting. He's starting to swear a lot more in his media attention uh, <laughs> moments. I think at this point the media tried to get that out of him. They tried to get the rouse out of him, and they did. And I think there's nothing more to it. Um, I think eventually Ortiz will kind of buckle down and go along with the rule. But for now, I think he's going to play against it. And, um, you might you're going to see a lot of fines at the beginning. I think there's a grace period involved too. First month of the season, so they won't get fined to, to have a transition. Meaning the whole first month of the season, they're going to not change anything. The players aren't going to change anything, and then all of a sudden they're going to start getting hit with fines. Well, I don't necessarily think that he's going to not go along with it and get fined. I think I think he might follow the rules once he actually gets into the game and starts doing it. That's just my guess, but it's it's pretty funny here. I'm looking at the quote. He said, quote, It seems like every rule goes in the pitcher's favor. After a pitch, you got to stay in the box. One foot, I call that expletive. <laughs> so I see what he means in terms of everything going in the pitcher's favor because it's like pitchers are already like the the big point in the league because the offense is down over the last couple of years because supposedly steroids aren't in the game anymore. So their offense is already having a hard time, and then then they make a rule about what the batters can't do instead of what the pitchers can't do. So I can see where he's coming from, but I don't think it's that outrageous to ask one foot in the box because that will, if 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 they if it actually works and the pitcher throws the ball in a decent amount of time, that will speed up the game because. The guys kind of walk out of the box for like 10, 15 seconds, walk around, spit in their hands, hit their bat against their feet, talk to people, look around and stuff. If they have to keep one foot in the box, you'll probably be taken off at least at least five seconds, maybe even up to 10 seconds, pretty much every pitch. And that will significantly lower the game. So I think if you're trying to make the game quicker, that probably is a really smart thing to do. Sorry for him, but he's going to have to deal with it, I guess. No, I think I think it's a, you're right. It's a big part, and I think it's a big thing. It's a good first step, but they do also have to focus on the pitching. And I think a pitch clock. You're going to see a pitch clock in this game, regardless of what a lot of people might say. Pitchers are just as much as the problem as hitters. Absolutely. And Ortiz is right. Ortiz is right in that situation. Buckholz used to be a big problem. I mean, he's, he sped up a little bit last year, but he's still one of the slower um, in between pitching guy uh, pitch numbers in the league. Um, he takes a while. He likes to take. Walk around the mound almost every pitch. He does that. A lot of people do that, and it's stupid. Well, like, this, what do you what, what do you walk? What are you going on a stroll for? Go take, wait to go home to your wife or girlfriend, then go on a walk. Don't do it while you're pitching. <laughs> well, that's the like that's seriously. The thing is that like I don't even think a pitch clock is necessary. I wish they could just pitch quicker without a clock. Why can't they just stand on the mound and go? Why am I taking 45 seconds between every pitch and walk around when I could just pitch the ball? Like Mark Burley. He pitches the ball, he gets oh thrown God, back, so he long. pitches the ball, he gets thrown back, he pitches the ball. He has the ball for like probably like six seconds. And then you got other guys, like you said, Buck Holtz and other severe offenders who literally take like 30 to 40 seconds. That's what takes forever. Not the 15 seconds that the batter does, it's the 35 seconds the pitcher does. So obviously you need to fix both of them. But, I mean, good for them for at least figuring out one possible way. But, yeah, I think they should f- focus on the pitcher more than the batter because the pitcher is the one that takes forever. 
look, if you if you focus on the pitcher, and you have you have the bat, say you have the batter keep one foot in the box, and then you have the pitcher get on the mound. As long as the batter has one foot in the box, you can throw the ball. Right. So, if he's in the box with one foot and you get to the mound, you can just throw the ball. Right. You don't have to wait. Right. And just no, I mean, obviously, no one really does that because you got you got to think about what you're going to throw. Is it's more than just speeding and beating a guy. Like I, I get why most pitchers don't do that, but the more you take, the longer you take as a pitcher, I think the more advantage you have as a hitter because the longer the pitchers take, right. the more the hitters can think about what's coming in the situation. Rather, because if they watch enough film, they know what you throw in certain situations. But if you, as a pitcher, if you go fast, they don't have time to think. So I don't even get, it's not, it's not really an advantage to walk around the mound and go lollygag anyway. I don't think it is either. But here, I want to go back to my point about Burley. And this basically, for me, decides that I'm completely right about this. Oh, uh, about okay. not, you don't even have to worry about the batter and the one foot in the box. Just specifically look at Mark Burley, and that's it. Look at the average times. I obviously don't know the exact number, but look at the average times of games that he pitches as opposed to everyone else. He almost a game that he starts is almost never longer than like two hours and forty five minutes. That's just that's just him. That completely shows that if you if you pitch quicker, the game's gonna be quicker no matter what, no matter what the batter does. So I, I mm-hmm. haven't I figured that out? Like that's that shortens what shortens the game is Mark Burley. So get pitchers to actually be a little quicker, and you don't have to worry about the batters. If you pitch quicker. And take that time in between to not think, not lollygagging, not go on a stroll down the beach. Then you're going to be able to speed the game up, and that number proves it. And it's just a matter of these guys take forever, and they make the game so long, they drag it out. And I get with runners in scoring position and runners on base, you have to take your time because you want to think you're going to pick them off. It's part of the element of the game you can't change. But overall, you, you really have to think there and go, okay, there's no one on base. There's a guy, or like there's one guy on base. You could even if you go fast, that can mess up a runner too. There's so many things that there's an advantage of going and pitching fast. There's no need to take 20 to 30 seconds in between every pitch. And Burley's had a lot of success in his career. He's a very good pitcher, and oh yeah, he almost never has guys on base because he doesn't give up that many base runners because he pitches quick and gets guys out. <laughs> yep, I completely agree. So yeah, MLB pitchers the problem, not not the hitters. So. Go David Ortiz for complaining about that, but I mean, I guess we'll take any. I mean, I don't personally care if the game's quicker or not because I like baseball. But if they're gonna, if that's one of their main goals, which it clearly is, please, well, but they're trying to cater to the general public. They're not catering to us, right? Exactly. I'll watch baseball if it's a four-hour game, right? As long as it's good, as long as it's a good game, I'll watch it. I mean, the biggest problem besides the starter is obviously when relievers come in and they get all dramatic. The first person that comes to mind is Papelbon, even though I love Papelbon, and I still do, because he was so much fun to watch, and he was so good with the Red Sox, that he took forever. He would lollygag, stare you down, he'd do his head nod and take about five seconds to go up into the standing position from the nod. (laughs) He took forever to do everything. He was like like the Nomar of pitching. Oh, he totally was. And like that slows the game down. Dramatically, his ninth innings were like a half hour almost every time because he took so darn long to throw the ball. <laughs> oh yeah, and if he pitched bad, it made it even longer. Oh, I know, like he was Which great. He did, but, like, that's... he did more often than not because he always had very stressful saves. Right, and that slows the game so, down so much. So like, think mm-hmm. about relievers. Like, hey, relievers, want you want you pick it up a little bit because that's as big of a problem, if not bigger, than the starters. Yeah, no, pitching I think is the number one issue. David's right. I think David was wrong to come out and say that. I think he can get away with it because of who he is. Right. But I think I still think he was wrong in coming out and really lashing out like that. Obviously, it wasn't it's a little different. It wasn't necessary. I mean, if it's his first reaction, he's going to go, "Oh well, okay then," and go, do what he did. And I credit I credit Pedroia for backing him up because 
he's his teammate he's going to, and he's a hitter, so he gets it. But I, I still think Ortiz wasn't right in the situation. Right. Yeah, I mean, could have gone either way, but, I mean, if he really was actually finding out for the first time, I guess it makes sense that he had to react. Do you believe that? Not really. Do you think that there was no way? He was working out all winter in the Dominican with all his friends who all play baseball. He's hanging out with Batista. He's hanging out with all these guys. And you don't think one of them found out and told him? Right. I want to think that he's truthful, but I feel he at least knew something. Maybe he didn't know every single like detail of the rule, but he had to know something about it. He, he knew something was up. There's no, there's no way you can go to spring training this many years into your, in your league. Like He's a seasoned veteran at this point, and he, there's no way that he doesn't have a connection if his agent or someone would text him and say, oh, hey, this, did you hear about the new rule? By the way, they're completely changing. <laughs> you by, the way, by the way, you don't get mad when you come to spring training. Don't be an idiot, but you're going to have to take one foot in the box. Right. But Someone had to have told think, him. There's no I way. Think he was, was just waiting time. for for an outlet to just go insane about it. <laughs> yeah, I think spring training is a good time to lash out, and he took advantage of it. Because no one cares. No, the majority of people don't care about spring training, so they're not really going to even no. notice. So, and it's amazing is what the ever since he swore that one time when after the bombing, yep. he's been he's got away with it. That is funny. He gets away with so like much he, that no one else would. He does. Like if someone else swore like that and is in their press conferences, like if John Farrell came out and said all that <laughs> stuff, could you imagine? <laughs> I can't picture. I can't even picture any first coming out of Josh. Well, you know, I mean, if 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 Pedroia would just effing hustle and uh, uh, uh. all these base runners would just beep. <laughs> Koji was bull bleep last night on the mound. Like, oh, like, could you imagine hearing a, a manager swear? No, it's hilarious to think about. So I'm laughing so hard right now. Someone, if you're, if anyone's listening and has some talent in video editing, can someone dub that over one of Farrell's press conferences and tweet at us? It's at Red Sox beat at J Scout underscore eighteen. 18 underscore CLNS or at Jess's Twitter handle, which I don't even know. CLNS underscore Jess saying. That's what it is. Tweet, find, figure it out to one of us. Put it on our Facebook page. If, you, if you're skilled enough, please do it because that would be fantastic. That would make – I'm picturing it in my head, but I want to see it. I want to see it too. And I'm not talented enough with video editing to do that. So. Please follow us on, on Twitter, though. I need more followers, and I'm sure you do too. So. Oh, yeah, I know. I could use Come more. On, people. Also, follow while, we're pl- while we're plugging ourselves, can you go to iTunes and subscribe and do all that stuff too? We're going to send out a link to uh, – a survey for you guys to take for us to to kind of help us learn what you guys like about us and get our name out there too. So keep an eye out for that. Right, I've been putting it out. If you there. like despise the show, then please let us know so we can change stuff. <laughs> we can change it. If you don't want Jess to host anymore and me go solo, let us know. I'm, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm all here for that. <laughs> if you want me gone and like Jess by himself, I'm all for it too. Whatever, take some stress off my day. Or if you want both of um, us gone and have completely different people. <laughs> yeah, if you want us to go away completely, that'd be sad. But hey, you know what? It's you, you're the ones who automatically make us popular. So we just have to do shows by ourselves in a different outlet. <laughs> Exactly. We'll just figure out some other time to hang out together and talk. Um, like every other day. Hippo. Like every other day we work together, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so let's move let's, on. Let's get back on track here. Um, so, yeah, Ortiz did his thing. That's our thought on yep. it. We got some news this week. We actually have games this week. Whoa, games? Um, the, the first game, there's a doubleheader. The mystery game. <laughs> the mystery games. We don't know when they are. Uh, no, the first game, I think, is at 1. Well, yeah, they're at 1. We, we don't know if they're being broadcast or like what's happening with that. I just read an article oh, yeah. re- looking up at someone else, and it said that the first game is the Northeastern game at one o'clock. And it's and on then TV. The be- uh, I didn't. It didn't get that far. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was talking about the pitching, which we're going to get to in a second. It just blurbs at the game. It was in the first game of the doubleheader. So, um, but the point of what we're getting at is they play a doubleheader. Their 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 annual Northeastern and BC doubleheader to play the college kids during their spring training. Um, the, the news out of that was John Farrell has come out and said that Clay Buckles and Rick Porcello will pitch the first two innings of the first game, of the Northeastern game at 1 o'clock. That is basically saying that is the top two of your rotation as of right now. 
which means there's a good chance that Clay Buckles gets your opening day nod. Fine. And that's okay. what I want. That's what I want to talk about. Why would you do that? Because he's been with the team eight years and really should be. But he hasn't proven himself. He's not. Rick Porcello is the best starter on that Rick rotation. Porcello hasn't proven himself the with the Red Sox, though. But he's been pitching for the Tigers. Yeah, well, it could like he's it could go either way, but I mean, Buckles is the season veteran with the Red Sox. So I mean, go with it. I'll tell you this, Jess, I am not surprised right. by any means. Am I surprised because it's the Red Sox, and even if Clay Buckles was like Justin Masterson level, they'd probably let him start because uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> the way this team is, I, yeah, yeah, they, they they play favorites. They like the best, especially John Farrell. He likes the guys who he knows. Uh, you covered that last week in depth. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's why he's going to have Clay Buckles. Start. I don't know. I think it's the right, right. decision. I think. Look, I'm not opposed to it. They're playing the Phillies. Like, they should win anyway, unless True. Buckles like implodes. So I'm not, it's not like they're it's not like they're starting with like the Giants or the Yankees or something like or with a decent team Yankees. or a team that's like a rival. The Yankees aren't a decent team, <laughs> but they're a rival. Right. They're a big okay. team. Fair. So they're starting with the Phillies. They're not going to. They, it's fine that you can start Clay Buckles, and I get why they would do it. But still, come on. Well, I mean. I don't know, they're all, I mean, all our pitchers are probably fairly similar skill level if you really dig deep into it. So, I mean, really anybody can start. I don't care. Who cares who starts the first game? It's just whoever pitches you want them to win, and the rotation is what it is. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't think starters matter that much in basketball. I don't think pitching rotations start that much. I can't even talk. I don't, think, nope, can't. I don't think pitching rotations matter that much is what I was trying to say in baseball. I mean, it's just... Who cares? You play the game, whoever's doing it is doing it, and and then hopefully you win. I've heard the players say that. They said, we don't care who pitches win. Whoever whoever pitches on that certain day needs to pitch like the ace and be a good enough pitcher to win the game. Do you think it's mental? Do you think they're giving it to Buckholz to keep his psyche up, to say, okay, we think you're this good still? I think that's a really, really intelligent idea you got there. I think that could very well be what they're doing, actually. Because you, right. we all know. We all know how bad he's been the last couple of years, and there's always that doubt in the back of a pitcher's mind, especially in his situation, that people would think, "Well, oh, well, they don't like me. I, I've been sucking. Right. Like, there's no way they still believe in me." But you give him a nod like this, opening day, you get you end of the year last year, you get you trade all your colleagues away, they trade your friends away, mm-hmm. they keep you probably because no one wanted him. <laughs> but he's never and that's that. obviously going in his head too. And now he's coming into this year as the guy who's been here the longest on the staff. And one of the veterans on this team, and they say, John, uh, Clay, you got the start against Philly. It would be kind of a diss if he if he wasn't starting, I think. And wouldn't that even go more to his head than letting him just start and deal it with it? Probably would. But if he if he starts the first game though, it just is terrible. That's not going to be good at all. Like, he really he no, really needs to have an effective first start if he's pitching the first game. After that I'm though, a, it doesn't I'm, matter. <laughs> I'm even okay with five innings, five good innings. Yeah, that's all he needs. I'd rather, I think the Red Sox would rather have him get the get the nod, say okay we still believe in you, and him pitch bad and say okay we'll fix it rather than him not getting the nod opening day and say okay you trust the guy who just came in here but not me and that that would mess with this. I think Clay Buckholz is so sensitive in the head. Yeah. That doing that little thing would probably tick him off. Yeah. And probably send him into a spiral of depression for like six weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. The, the the first game that matters if you have a guy who's trying to actually establish himself as the best pitcher, but after the first after the first week, I don't think the rotation matters at all. So Clay, you hear us? Grease up that hair. Get going. <laughs> and get ready to go for opening day. Well, you getting the It's nose. not grease, it's water. He just pours water over his head and drips everywhere. That's what he wants you to believe. There's grease I in that hair. It's his pine t- it's his pine tar. <laughs> no, that's Michael Pineda. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There was a side tracks. Side tracks. Speaking of Pineda, the Yankees Twitter um, put out a picture of Pineda's glove. Like he got a new glove this year, a new style. And I almost commented on it saying, um, with a picture of pine tar and saying, "Don't forget, don't forget the accessories," or something <laughs> stupid like that. You should have done it. I was so tempted. That would have been hilarious. But I was like, ah, he's not going to respond to it anyway. And it was like the Yankees' official Twitter handle. <laughs> well, you don't want to be like the lower person and be like that annoying Red Sox fan. You no, you no, want to be the, leave that, the bigger, better person. Leave that for, leave that for the, uh, the fan. Leave that for the Pink Hat fan. No offense, Pink Hat fans. We love you. Leave it for the Yankees uh, fans. Cause leave it for the Yankees fans because they would do that. You're right. right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so other than the, the Clay Buckholz news, which we, we can keep going on, but Porcello's getting two. Wade Miley is getting, I think, the first inning of the second game. And, uh, two Wade, innings, it said. He's getting two, two innings. innings of the, uh, two innings of that FBC, game. Yeah. And then you have Joe Kelly getting the, another more time against BC. And then I believe Masterson's getting the start. Or is Joe Kelly getting the According start? According to Nate Rollins' Thursday. article, Joe Kelly's getting the start on Thursday. Joe Kelly's going to start on Thursday. means Masterson's coming in. Yeah, I don't know about game. Masterson. It doesn't say anything about him. Okay, so I'm, I'm assuming Masterson will pitch behind Wade Miley then. So you can, you can assume and, that the rotation's going to be Buckholtz, Porcello, Miley, Kelly, Masterson. Yeah, because they're actually letting Kelly start a game. Right. So, which is what we kind of all, I think what most of us thought it would be going into the year. I think as soon as they, I mean, assuming that Clay Buckles will get the seniority start, um, I think we all kind of assume that would be the rotation because putting a lefty in the middle of the rotation with Wade Miley makes sense. He's also a better pitcher right now than Joe Kelly and Masterson. And Masterson's the project because he has to get back from where he to where he was. So I think it makes sense. Um, we can get, well, we can dive in a little more into the, uh, Rotation later when we get to the ALE, the final ALEs preview. The um, best ALEs so preview. The best one. That's why we did the Red Sox last. And then we'll give you a rundown of what we uh, what we have as our divisions for the year. If you remember. If you can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we'll get to that one later on. Um, in a couple of minutes, we'll get to our brand new fantasy segment. Woo, exciting. Um, for all you fantasy goers out there, me included. It's kind of a way to keep myself on top of the research. Just talk about it week every week on the show. I'll, I'll make sure I pay attention. Yeah, I'm doing it too, so we, we can stay we can stay active. Stay active. On I have an excuse to stay active besides actually being in a league, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, we'll also talk to Doug Anderson later on. His Twitter's at Roto Daddy if you want to go follow him now, and uh, he, he's going to come on later in the show and talk about fantasy as well, both one day leagues and uh, for your FanDuel and uh, DraftKings users, and as well. I don't want to miss that. For traditional, traditional leagues. So stay tuned for that as well a little later in the show. Um, but to wrap up this thought we, we're talking about here with the Clay Buckholz situation, getting the nod, you can't be mad at it if you're a fan. As much as I dislike it, as much as I think it's the, from a baseball point of view it's the wrong decision, I really think that they're giving it to him just to keep him mentally straight. Because like I said, there's not much going on up in there in that, that head of uh, Clay Buckholz. No, there's not, there's not much up there. There's probably like two baseballs up there for a left and right side of his brain. There's not much. And as soon as you keep him, as soon as he mentally is unstable for two seconds, one of those baseballs gets, removes a few laces if you want to keep with the baseball reference. And every once in a while, the baseball unravels until that cover is completely off one side of the baseball. Come on, you're being so mean it's, to him. <laughs> I, I, he deserves it. He, he, he should be pitching better than he is, and it's all in his head. And he needs to see a shrink more than he needs to fix his p- pitching mechanics. Yeah, he's definitely... Got has he seen a shrink in the past? I feel like he has. I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like that came out. I'm probably wrong. I just we, I'm, that's almost wishful thinking more than anything. I have no idea. I think he should see a shrink, but 
we'll I'll leave that there. I don't want to throw anything more on Clay Buckles than I already am. Uh, kind of trashing the yeah, guy. Yeah, I think right you're now, trashing so. him enough. <laughs> if you want consistent Clay Buckles trashing, stay tuned for every week of Red Sox Speak because I'm pretty consistent with it. You'll find out. I won't, I won't trash him. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> okay, good. Because I have plenty of ammo. Don't worry. And I'm sure I'll have more. Um, quick r- related note for the. Pa- uh, I'm gonna do this. For, we're gonna gonna do our fancy segment in a minute, but I also want to. Uh, if you haven't seen it, the Red Sox are also are still interested in Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels, and that they're looking to consider probably later in the season. But apparently, Mookie Betts is the the hinge now of what's gonna make that door open. So I think they should do it. I know I've talked about this at length. I'm not going to go at it anymore. I just want to. <laughs> you think they should? I think they should. And that's, all. <laughs> that's all we got. I just want to update saying that they're still interested. It hasn't been a complete denial yet. Cliff Lee's on the table too, as well, which I also would do, um, especially later in the year if they're important enough that they need a chance to win the World Series. And they need that one more guy. Cliff Lee could be a good year pitcher for the end of the year, and he could go number one, number two into a playoff series and do well for you. So I think either way, you're not going wrong. Uh, Cole Hamels is better long term, but if you want a guy for the year. Cliff Lee's probably your guy. But, um, yeah, so just wanted to give a quick update on that. Um, don't forget the show is obviously brought to you by lynda.com. Go to lynda.com backslash CLNS to get your 10 free day trial. 4,500 different courses taught by a bunch of experts. Go on there, get, get yourself going, learn some new things. It's great service. Jess and I have used it. It's fantastic. It works wonders. It's beautiful. So get on there and claim your free 10-day trial. You get one just because you listen to us. I know. You're welcome. We're great. <laughs> um, it's great. It's great service to so go on there and use it. Um, so, Jess. This is it. We're going to start doing the fantasy baseball segment. We're going to do this every show. We're going to eventually try to expand to two shows. That's later down the road. But every time we're on, we're going to do a fantasy baseball segment, so at least once a week for now. Um, we're going to, I'm going to do my best to potentially have some small update articles during the week in between shows as well to keep you updated. Um, written content, that, that being said. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get going. I know there's a lot of drafts this time of year getting into spring training and um, I know I have friends who've already drafted, so I wanted to start this now in case people have early drafts. I know I'm not drafting for a couple weeks. I think mine's March but, 10th, so I guess next week. So, so I figured, depending on when people's drafts are, I might as well start it now, Jess. Why not? Yeah, why not? So um, obviously you have different options. You can play the standard leagues, typical Yahoo, ESPN. Go throughout the whole season, have your team, and most of you will probably forget about it halfway through the year. That's usually what happens. Oh, or you do the one-day leagues, FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever. Both good services, um, pretty much the same damn thing, only different style. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be able to give you both here. We're gonna give you perspective of one day leagues because I do the one day leagues too. So we'll give you perspective of one day leagues. We'll give you perspective of a whole season. Um, we're gonna go today. I want to do some catch, catchers, some pitchers. We'll get some more stuff info from Doug later on when he joins us as well. And we'll get his perspective. Uh, we'll obviously tie back to who you think, who out of the Red Sox can you trust? It's a good one. It's obviously a big idea because you get to watch them every day. Um, but for me, I want to start just with. Realistically, we know. For, I want to start with the catcher position because it's, it's a tough position to draft. You got to worry about a bunch of things with them. But I think we all know that Buster Posey is probably the best fantasy catcher in baseball. I don't think there's a way around that. He's solid average. Um, he's consistent with RBIs. I don't think there's anyone really that can overcome that. He's such a good player. Like catcher aside, he's such he's so good at offense, and he's yep. he's just yeah. I mean, there's there's no way there's a better catcher than him. And he's also a sneaky pick for you uh, roster maneuvers people who are fanatics about having extra players to move around, and which most of us are nowadays in fantasy baseball. He's also he's listed on almost I think most of the sites as a catcher and a first baseman, so you can have mm-hmm. basically two catchers. 
which is great. He never plays first base, but you could put him in the first base slot if you want to have his catch, another catcher for some reason because there are – you could have uh, Luke Roy from the Brewers who's good. If you want to get McCann for his um, somewhat power numbers, you could do that. So there's there's options there, and you could play him at catcher or first base. So it's And people with days off, you can rotate. So it's it's a good thing that he's probably – that's also another reason why he's probably the top catcher because he's versatile in your lineup in general. Okay. What's, what was I going to go with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, top catcher is obviously Buster Posey. Again, there's no reason to really deny that. But for me, I think second would either be bat, – by batting average, it's Jonathan Lucroy from the Brewers. And I think he's he, he's a good, solid pick. I think if you can get him in the draft, it's a good – I wouldn't draft catcher too early unless it's Buster Posey. But I would consider – obviously, Adam Molina is always a good option, especially with throwing guys out. Brian McCann with the Yankees, he'll get a shot. He's 31. Um I think the guy that I would consider also is Matt Wieters. Uh, solid hitter, 308 average last year. Um, 13 runs. How many home runs did he have? Let's see here. Uh, um, five. So not much of a power guy, but he's consistent at the plate. Another option. So I, I think my top three catchers would probably be Posey, Lucroy, and then probably Matt Wieters. I would trust him at the Baltimore. He's going to get his time in Baltimore, and I think that's probably the best way to go. Um there's a bunch of catchers out there, though. Uh, Russell Martin's a great, I think, is a good sleeper pick if you can get him. Um, he's going to be successful, I think, in Toronto, uh, especially as your Red Sox fans. You're going to see him a lot. So you'll get your chance to judge him then and here and there, and you'll get a lot of news on him because he's in the division. So I think you can't go wrong with drafting either of those guys, but I think you don't. I think you really want to hold off just drafting a catcher right away. And Again, unless you, you're going to steal Buster Posey and bank on him all year, which I think you can. You can bank on Buster Posey, but I wouldn't draft him high. Yeah, well... The, the one guy you're for, forgetting about here is Devin Messerocco on mm-hmm. Cincinnati. He actually, I'm looking at last year's stats, he led all catchers and home runs last year, believe it or not. He had 25, and he had 80 yep. RBI as well, which is second out of catchers. So he's, if you're looking for good stats for a catcher, then he's your, he, he, if if he does what he did last year, he's got he's going to be as good of a bet, the second bet as anybody else behind Posey. Yeah, he's a good option as well. Um, I think you can include him in the list. I, I do. I think. Do they count? Um, and I should know this, but I don't, I don't off the top of my head. Jess, I don't know if you know. Do they count um, like throwouts as a fantasy stat for catcher? I don't I think don't they do. It's all so. off. It's all offense, right? Yeah. So that's that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think you can't go wrong with Messerocco as well. You really can't. It's, it's he's a great catcher. Um, There's some pretty good catchers here in this league. Is it? I'm looking at this list. I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was skimpier than it is, but I, I honestly think that the, um, you really can you really can't go wrong. Top ten, you really ten to fifteen catchers deep. I think you can handle be, be okay with, and that's why I really don't suggest drafting a catcher too early, because you have room with that. I and my typical go about is for me my strategy is draft pitching first, because there's so much you can always pick up a guy who's hot later in the year to get some more offense and make trades, but. No, once you have top pitching, no one's going to really give those up, give them up. So if you, I, I usually draft pitching first two picks to get at least two stud starters that I know I'm not are not going anywhere all year, and I'm not going to give them up unless I get a king's ransom in return. So I, I think for me, you got to draft pitching first, man. It's it, it's what it is. You got to draft pitching first. The only way I give up good pitching during the season is if I get like a Miguel Cabrera or something to those lines. You know, it's not really worth giving up good pitching unless you're getting something over the top in return and your lineup's like stacked with pitching. Yeah, I think pitching is definitely important, and cashing is obviously farther down the list because 
people people don't think of they don't think of catchers as as your first your first uh, option for offense because they're going to be thinking about the bigger players, mm-hmm. the outfielders, and the first basemen, and people like that, not not catchers. But yep. I would say if you if if it's your pick and Posey's sitting there, go for him. If oh, he's yeah, listed, definitely. if he's listed kind of high, because I'm sure he's lower than some people, but he'll probably be going pretty pretty high on the list. That being said, with my pitching thought, let's go to pitchers. All right, I want because because I'm, I'm going to ask Doug about this later, and I want to I want to get your thought on this. Now I know. Basically, essentially, my top five pitching for the year. You can't really go against drafting Clayton Kershaw one. You're gonna get a lot of wins and not much ERA. <laughs> exactly. Sure. So you really have. I think that's your. If you can get him and you want to draft a pitcher early, go for him. It's the best bet, I think. Um, Felix Hernandez would be my second option. I think King King Felix is just as much as him not winning, being on winning teams, he is just a phenomenal guy, and I think that he's he's the king. He's, he has a nickname, King Felix, for a reason. So I I think overall you you gotta go with him, and then um, I would go Scherzer, and then Baumgartner, and then probably Chris Sale to round off my top five. Hmm. And I know I, Corey Kluber is one that is there too from the Indians. He was Cy Young, but he was yeah. So he obviously is a good option, but I think Clay, Kershaw and Hernandez are there. Baumgartner is in the National League. Obviously Lester's an option as well, who's getting the opening day start for the Cubs officially. Um, which we all knew was coming, but I think John Lester's gonna. You're gonna whatever success you had as a fantasy owner with John Lester last year, you're gonna get even more this year because he's going to the National League. So he's pitching more most most games in the National League this year, so his numbers are gonna skyrocket. So honestly, John Lester's a good option as well. Can't really go wrong with him. Well, and obviously, we know that as Red Sox fan. Right. Yeah. Okay. For so for starters, I think well, obviously, definitely Kershaw because. Because <laughs> you don't get postseason numbers. <laughs> Sorry, Kershaw, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he's earned that. He's earned that disc. Don't right. worry, he's earned that. But we're only talking about regular season for for pitchers, so for everybody. So definitely Kershaw would be a great pick. Um, I think Adam Wainwright because he's on a good team who wins games, so you're going to get wins, and his ERA is really good. He's he's so underrated because he's not like this flashy guy, but he gets the job done, and he always has a lot of wins and a lot of a really low ERA most of the time, so definitely going to go with Wainwright. Uh, I like Kluber. I would pick him. I assume he won't have quite as good a year as he had last year, but I don't think. How can you repeat that? Right. That was such a good year. So, but yeah, I think he'll still be he'll still be real good because he's a strikeout machine. Keep his ERA down. See how he does. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, definitely, definitely Scherzer. I mean, he's always a good fantasy pitcher. He's always got a lot of strikeouts and. A lot of wins, mm-hmm. and I think for my fifth, I'll go with Jared Weaver. He had 18 wins last year, and he's a consistent guy. He usually pitches a lot. He doesn't get injured very often, and always seems to rack up the wins. So, if he can lower his ERA a little bit, I think he'd be a pretty good pick. Yeah, no, I think Jared Weaver's a good a good pick there to um, to consider as like an option that's not really in someone's top five list. I think Jared Weaver's a good value pick for. To be a person who you want to play, if you want, if you need a pitcher like as a three or four pitcher, even down into the later rounds of the draft, because obviously you're going to take a bigger player first. But if you want to draft the pitcher later and to fill out your rotation, Jared Weaver is a good guy. He might go sooner rather than later. Um, clearly, everyone listening to this podcast is not going to go take him, right? Because we know what we're talking about. So, 
I think I think it's a good option for Weaver as well. Um, obviously, pitching is number one is a big thing in fantasy. I won't say number one, but it's a big thing in fantasy. You need to have a well, obviously, a well balanced lineup is going to successfully win. But if you can heavily have a great pitching staff, that's good for later in the year when you need offense. You have plenty of trade pieces. My suggestion to most people in general leagues would be stock up on pitching and then find one guy, and we'll get to we'll give you guys leading up towards your drafts in the coming weeks once we get more research done this year in spring training we can give you those guys but you're going to want to find a guy who's a wild card who has a potential to break out because if you have him and stash him on your bench then you have a you have he get he breaks out and he's worth something before he loses it and there's always that guy there's always someone who has a hot start to a year and you or a middle year where he picks up and you can pick someone up and just say okay what do I need actually in this lineup and then trade that guy away before you even before his value drops. And that's a big thing. And I think stashing pitching is a huge asset to have. And I think that's a big thing. If you draft well, you're going to have some extra pitchers that you're not going to use all the time. You said it. Pitchers are always important. And if you have a bad pitching staff, it's just like real baseball. If you have a bad pitching staff, your team's probably not going to be very good. So take, take Jared's advice there and get some good pitchers early. I agree. Now, I'm going to move on to the closer position, and obviously big thing is saves there. But before I do, Jess, I want to kind of break out of breaking down players. Plenty of options out there to play fantasy baseball under, between the, obviously the one-day leagues, but there's even pl- plenty of platforms. Almost every website now has their own fantasy baseball or fantasy sport part of their site. What do you prefer? Um, what, what league? Where, where are you drafting? Where, what website are you using for your draft? I'm in an ESPN league. ESPN league. That seems to work for me. I got no problem. I use ESPN for fantasy football, so I'm 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 honestly saying this because I don't know what to use yet. Yeah, because I mean, I didn't make the league, are, we, so I just joined whatever. I mean, I haven't done fantasy baseball in a couple of years, so kind of getting back into it again, which is good. So I'm kind of just... it's, it's a it's a grueling it's a grueling process. Fantasy baseball is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's a long it's a long it's a long season. Yeah, you got to stay focused sure for a long time. Us fantasy baseball users must would also love a shortened season. I'm I'm not I'm just going to tell you straight up. <laughs> Um, but the biggest thing for me is, and I'm debating between Yahoo and ESPN because Yahoo's great. I don't think you can go I wrong ESPN, either way. I use ESPN for fantasy football, but the apps for on my phone are big because I usually check my lineup a lot on my phone nowadays. Cause I don't have to be on the computer all the time, and that's a big thing now. Fantasy sports, you can change your lineup and check it all the time, make trades on your phone, and everything. The apps are great, but the ESPN fantasy football app is ten times better than all the other fantasy sports apps because ah. they have them separate, whereas Yahoo is all together. Yahoo's app is better, but I like ESPN's service better. So I'm debating. But I think I'm going to go Yahoo because I'm more of a mobile user once I draft than a computer user. Yeah, go for it. So I think, I think yeah, you have to weigh your pros and cons. I think um, this is my advice. If you want to use ESPN, if you're a computer guy, I would go ESPN. And if you can handle the mobile app being crap, unless they update it between now and then, but I don't think they're going to, then you go for that. But if you if you think that you can handle... Having not being on the computer all the time like me and always checking my lineup and doing things on my phone, go with Yahoo. Their app is great, and obviously their their internet isn't bad either. Their web their website on the computer, their desktop site isn't bad. I'm not throwing Yahoo under the bus there at all. <laughs> so I think that you can't really go wrong either way. And daily sites, honestly, they're the same thing to me. I've used both. Can't really between FanDuel and uh, DraftKings. I don't know if you've ever used them, I Jeff. I haven't, no. But they're like one and the same. Just FanDuel came first. Oh, okay. So no preference there. Um, but yeah, so that, that being said, I just wanted to kind of touch on that because a lot of people new to fantasy baseball 
might not know what to do or might not know the differences and to always have that issue. I always did when I was younger, starting fantasy sports. I'm like, oh, well, CBS has one. Well, the, the MLB actually has one on their own website. The NFL does too. Like, what should I use? Right. All in a preference, that's my suggestion. But let's move on to the closing. Closer position now, Jess. Saves are a big part in fantasy. If you have a consistent closer, you can get you a consistent amount of saves a week and in every year matchups. It's a lot. It's a, those little numbers. It's like having a kicker in football, a good kicker in football. It's it adds up and it really does help you. So, who would you recommend if you can have any closer in the league? Who would you go after? Well, the easy pick would be Greg Holland because he had such a good year last year. But I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not 100 sold that he'll be as good as last year. So, I'm gonna go with a more reliable guy, and I'd say. If I, the first closer I pick would probably be Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. He's always consistent. His ERA is unbelievable, and he gets so many saves. And Atlanta always wins a decent amount of games, so he usually has a lot of opportunities. And he's been pretty consistent over the last few years, so I think he might be the best bet. Yeah, Craig Kimbrell, I think is an is a good bet. I think he's going to give you tremendous amount of value if you go for Craig Kimbrell. And I I don't think you, there's really any doubt. Up there, I think if you go for Craig Kimbrell, you're going to have success all year. You, you might get some downtime, you might get some have some issues, but if if you have a law with him, don't. I know he's playing; he's on the Braves, so that and they're they're rebuilding, so it, it, it could be a problem. But I, I think he's I think he's one of the top ones. Um, I think for me, I would go with uh, Trevor Rosenthal hmm. because I almost wanted to say David Robertson, hmm. even though obviously Kimbrell's an obvious choice, but I like Rosenthal because he's on a good team. Yeah. He's on a, he's only 25 first of all, which is fantastic for them. But I think he's on a consistent team in the Cardinals who are going to be good all year, they always are. And his ERA last year was a 3-2 and I I think he's going to be consistent enough. I think the Cardinals are always there. Um obviously last year's Kimbrel's ERA, where is it? It was a 161. Yes. With 90 with 95 strikeouts, Rosenthal 87. So if you can't get Kimbrel, which I mean, I would go Kimbrel like top top if you can't, but like Rosenthal's my 1A. And I think I'm going to go Rosenthal because you're going to get more save opportunities if you're Rosenthal. And the, the point of my argument is strictly on saves here. I would go Rosenthal because you're going to have much more opportunities to get saves than in the Braves. Right, which is why you'd probably pick him over Greg Holland because who knows if Kansas City will have as much success as they had last year. Yeah. Now, uh, Greg Holland's a great option because I think if Kansas City can – do half of what they did last year. Holland's going to get his, his save totals will be there. His he's a strikeout machine, and his ERA is not too high, so it's a good option. But I like Rosendahl just because with me, closers are consistent enough with um, being on a good team or not. So I think that's a big factor for me. Um, yeah, I mean Fernando Rodney was he led the league in saves last year, but he's so inconsistent, and he'll have like fifty one year and then like ten the next year. So I don't I don't know how reliable he is. Yeah. So fantasy. Is a big saves are a big thing in fantasy. Um, so yeah, so I would go, I would go Rosenthal there. But uh, so yeah, so I also we we know what we're talking about, Jess. We do fantasy baseball. We know our baseball. But the the guy I talked to, Doug Anderson of Roto Roto World uh, Fantasy Sports, he knows what he's talking about. He's a professional. He writes about it. I caught up with him earlier. All right, I am joined by Doug Anderson. His Twitter handle is at RotoDaddy. He is from FantasySportsNetwork.com, fantasy guru who knows this stuff. Doug, how are you doing today? Awesome, awesome. Ready for some actual baseball news to start coming in. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? It means the snow goes away up here, at least, and I'm ready, I'm ready for it. It snowed again today. It's, it needs to stop. Um, and spring training is a hopeful sign of sunshine and no more snow. So 
Um, a lot to talk about. We started our fantasy baseball segment this week on Red Sox beat and a lot of drafts happening now between now and the end of spring training. And I figured good time of any to start doing it now. So, uh, we want to get your expert opinion on some of the questions we have. So I kind of want to start you off with a really easy question, not really easy, but general, who are your top five pitchers this season? I know pitching is a big thing in fantasy baseball. It's, it's a big position to have. You want to have at least two or three solid starting pitchers, relievers in your lineup. I personally want to stash pitchers, so eventually they're good for trade chips. But who do you have for top five pitchers this season going into the season? Well, I, let's say start. Let's say start because that makes sense. right. Sure, I think the big thing this year is that everybody's talking about the pitching depth. But what that really means is you almost have to have two two elite options. So I think you need to grab some elite starting pitchers. My top five: Clayton Kershaw, obviously top pitcher. Most dominant player maybe in fantasy baseball. Felix Hernandez, Max Scherzer, they're right in line. I think Corey Kluber is going to come close to repeating what he did last year. He may not have you know quite so many strikeouts, but you have to like him. And even though maybe last year's numbers don't support it, I like Steven Strasburg. I think he's got some upside still left. I, th- I think one of these pitchers this year could come close to 300 strikeouts, and, and that's something that would be huge in fantasy. Uh, you mentioned Strasburg. Do you think do you think he's going to be the ace going into this season, just out of seniority? Like, and they, I know they love him down there still, but or do you think he's going to get lowered in the rotation? Because if he gets lowered in the rotation at all, that could help his potential win loss record. That could help his ERA. Just stuff like that to think about. I'm not sure what the Nationals will do, but I do think having Max Scherzer on the same team is going to take a little bit of pressure off him. And whether he's considered the ace or not, if he's more relaxed, I, I think it could help him any which way. One name you didn't have on that list, and he was a huge pitching free agent this uh, offseason, was John Lester, who's now obviously with the Cubs. And um, do you, Obviously, he's a great option. I'm not questioning that. But what, what would be the reason why you would leave a guy like that who's even switching leagues who would make it even easier for him to pitch now going to the National League from a tough AL East? What would keep him off the list? Because I know Red Sox fans, as much as they, they're mad for him going to the Cubs, fantasy-wise, I know they're going to try to grab him still. Well, I, I grew up a Cubs fan, so I'm, I'm a big Lester fan now. <laughs> I, I think it's just when you're talking about fantasy, you want the huge strikeout upside. Lester, at different times in his career, has provided strikeouts, but it's just not the same level as these other pitchers. I, I think with Lester, there's so much about his postseason and what he's done there that sometimes in the regular season he's not quite as good as these other pitchers. I still love him. I'm still he's still going to be a target of mine, but he just doesn't offer that big strikeout potential that these other guys do. You must be a happy man having John Lester on your team. There are a lot of angry Red Sox fans up here still, not getting over that one, but uh, me included. Um, pitchers are obviously important. Obviously, it's only half the team. You got positional players for the offense as well. Uh, who do you consider your top five positional players this year? Non-pitchers. There's a lot more argument in the top on the offensive players because there, I think there's more question marks. Obviously, Mike Trout and Andrew McCutcheon. I think they're pretty much a consensus top two. After that, I think I go Paul Goldschmidt. Just got to get over the injury issues. Carlos Gomez. And I'm going to go Jose Abreu, where a lot of other people would go Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, with Stanton, I, I fear the injury issues, not just the fact that he got you know the, the beating that was horrible, but he's kind of like that thoroughbred who seems to always have injury issues. And I'm just not 
convinced that he's a 290 hitter. I think the batting average is more realistic in the 260 range. So I like Jose Abreu a little bit over him. Do you, what's your on Carl Stanton? Do you consider a con, the contract an issue with him in terms of too much pressure? Do you think that's another, another factor as well? Or do you think that has nothing to do with it? You know, I've never really been a believer in the contract thing because some players – the contract might make him relax and not worry about it. He doesn't have to worry about a contract. Maybe it relaxes him. Other players, maybe they try too hard. So I just think contracts are something that we really can't know the effect of, so I don't pay too much attention to it. Yeah, okay. So in fantasy baseball, we know there's a lot of people. There's a lot of players in baseball. Baseball is one of the bigger sports, if not the biggest sport, for just a lot of people who play the game in terms of farm systems and people coming up. And keeper leagues is another thing to worry about. But who would you see this year if you could pick maybe one player who would have – with someone who could draft now has the potential to be a really top fantasy guy towards the end of the season, like a breakout player that you could potentially see right now? Well, I, I, I have a love for pitchers and strikeouts, and there's a pitcher in Cleveland, Carlos Carrasco, who he's been a prospect for a while, kind of a failed prospect, but the last 10 starts of last year, what he did, he had better numbers than Clayton Kershaw, over that, the second half of the season, the last 10 starts. Uh, he's already ranked within the top 30 starting pitchers, so he's not exactly a sleeper. But if you can grab him in a league, maybe sneak him away from some owners who aren't really aware of what he did, he, he offers huge upside in your pitching staff. And uh, I like that because I'm always looking for value in the pitchers so I can pay more for the hitters. Mark it down, people. Cleveland has an upside. People, someone from Cleveland is going to have an upside this year. Mark, Mark Doug Anderson's words. Some, someone in Cleveland is going to do something for you. Pay attention. There. Um, so keep in line for pitching here. Um, closing, saves are a big thing in fantasy baseball. I know I'm always looking for saves. It's a big thing for me anyway, personally. Who do you consider the best closer in the game right now? There's plenty of options. There's good upside a lot of where around the MLB now. But who would you put as that number one closer target in your draft? Well, it's hard to argue with Craig Kimbrell because he's been doing it for a few years now, but I think we might be passing the baton on to Araldus Chapman. The strikeouts are just amazing. I think what, it's like 17 batters per nine innings, something along those lines. You know, you, you're talking about getting the strikeouts that you might get from your six starter or a, a you know a low level starting pitcher. So along with all the saves, so as long as he's healthy, it's I just think you're going to get strikeout numbers and all the numbers together from Meraldis Chapman. I, I wouldn't argue with someone who said Kimbrell, Kimbrell, though. I know I look into this with closers, but how much of stock do you put in to being on a bad team and not picking them because they're on a bad team for a closer point of view? Well, you know, most, most of the research has shown that it doesn't really matter too much the quality of the team they're on. Sometimes a lower-scoring team that doesn't win as many games, sometimes every game they do win is a save situation. So I don't put too much into it. You know, I think you just have to look at the the pitcher and go from there. Fair. Yeah, I know I probably put way too much stock into it, but I do I do consider it because I'm a big fan of Rosenthal in St. Louis, and I know they win a lot of games, and he's consistent. And he's only 25, so he's got a lot of upside, and I'm in a keeper league, so that also makes a big difference. It, he offers a lot of <laughs> strikeout upside, too. I like Rosenthal. He needs to straighten out a few things from last year, but I think he's got some rope. Definitely. Um, so I really want to tie this in, this whole fantasy perspective here. We're Red Sox podcast. That's what we're doing. We're, up, we're, up front, we're in Boston. So out of the Red Sox, who, who do you consider good fantasy options on the Red Sox this year? Because we've been listening through all these players you've been giving us, and 
Haven't mentioned the Red Sox player yet. So who on the Red Sox would you consider as a good fantasy option? Well, I think, you know, Hanley Ramirez, David Ortiz, mm-hmm. you know, those are guys everybody knows about, Pablo Sandoval, and they're going to be good, good players. But when you're talking about fantasy baseball, a lot of it is about value. So I think the two guys that I'm really looking at as far as value on the Red Sox are Xander Bogarts, because, you know, some people are seeing him as a disappointment so far because he had such huge expectations. So his his perceived value is down, but he's still got that huge upside. So I'm looking to get him in a lot of leagues. And the other guy is Mookie Betts. You know, everybody was high on him over the offseason, but now the Red Sox are saying that Shane Victorino is going to start in right field. So maybe you can steal away Mookie Betts. That's something probably, you know, with you being in Boston, you guys can help us out on. And what's what's the word in Boston? Is is Betts really going to be on the bench to start the season? Um, it sounds it because Shane Victorino is the veteran, and we all know up here John Farrell loves his vets. So, and I preach that every week on this show. He loves his veterans, and he plays his veterans. So there's a good chance that Shane Victorino is going to be the starting right fielder up here. Yeah, I still like Betts because I think there's – a lot of playing time to be had, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. spelling Hanley Ramirez and left, maybe Pedroia gets hurt again at second. So I like Betts, and if he does get a full-time starting job, I think he's pretty fantasy relevant in any format you want to play in. I also want – I personally, I want Mookie Betts to go to Philly because I want Cole Hamels <laughs> because I want, I want the Red Sox to win a stupid World Series this year and not four years down the road. If you can win one as soon as possible, that would be great. But we're also spoiled up here, <laughs> and we just, want, we just want to win constantly. So – it's a big problem up here for us. Well, I, I like what the Red Sox did with their rotation. I think they've got some reliable pitchers now, but they could use the, that real ace in Cole Hamels, and I, I think he would kind of uh, cement what they've done. I think Cole Hamels puts them over the top. I think they win the division either way, but I think they've def- Cole Hamels would put them over the top. Um, what I did want to ask you is a lot of people question in dra- fantasy drafts what, what to draft first. Do you draft pitching first or offense first? Well, I think with – there's kind of a power outage in baseball in general right now. I think you have to dr- go offense first. I'm not going to argue if it's with someone who, who goes Clayton Kershaw maybe later in the first round. But in generally speaking, you know, get your one pitching ace sometime in the first three or four rounds, but then you really have to load up on offense because the power starts to disappear quick. And then if you're looking for stolen bases late, you're going to get you know a, a player who gives you a stolen bases but hits – 250 so get your offense early maybe one starting pitching ace but otherwise you you need to make sure you have that power times have changed since the steroid era power's not there as like it used to be that's for sure (laughs) it's all about supply and demand in fantasy baseball and right now pitching there's a big supply and the demand is for hitting last question for you when do i draft buster posey i don't think there's any question he's the top catcher in baseball when do I take the catcher? I love Posey, and there a lot of people position scarcity is a big deal. But here's the thing. Even though Posey is a great player, a great hitter, if you look at the counting stance, stats, he, he's not going to give you more than 80 runs scored, you know, 80, 85 RBIs, just because of the playing time being a catcher. So I like him. He's the best catcher, I think. But I don't reach for him until probably – you know, the late fourth round at the most. The counting stats just aren't going to be there. Do you still consider him the best fantasy option at catcher, though? I do. I, I think Jonathan LaCroix is, is a close second, but I think we know that Buster Posey's going to do it year in, year out. So, uh, yeah, Posey's still the best catching option. It's just a matter of how much you place on the positional scarcity. 
one more thing that just popped in the top of my head real quick. Um, the, obviously, it's changed now because we have all these daily leagues you can play um, between FanDuel and DraftKings. What do you give as a strategy for one-day leagues? If you, if you were to say, do you got, do you, would you recommend picking a lot of high-value guys at the top and wanting out with a guy like Mookie Betts who might not play? Or do you kind of even it out balance-wise? Well, I'd say the two things that I really pay attention to in daily is, first of all, you mentioned somebody who doesn't play. Well, you better make sure you know who's in the lineup. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to make sure you know who's in the lineups. But then pay attention to platoon splits. Look for hitters. Hitters are based on their overall stats. So if you can find hitters that are, say, a right-handed hitter who excels against left-handed pitchers, find that guy for the day at a cheap price and use them, then you can afford some of the big names in the rest of your lineup. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate the time. Of course, this is Doug Anderson from fantasysportsnetwork.com. You can go check him out on Twitter at Roto Daddy. Clearly knows his stuff. Great, great interview here today. Uh, Doug, we appreciate the time and hopefully look forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome, Jared. Had a, had a blast. Thanks, Doug. And that was Doug Anderson. Uh, you can catch him again on Twitter, at RotoDaddy. Uh, good stuff from him, as always. Um, another thing I, I asked him, Jess, and I want to get to with you now, is fantasy options on the Red Sox. Um, who, do, who would you trust on the Red Sox? Just a broad question. Um, obviously, we know the pitching staff's kind of, eh, I wouldn't rely on them too much unless Rick Porcello comes out of here. But, like, in the bullpen, who would you rely on? Who would you rely on as a position player? Who would you want to consider drafting in, off this Red Sox roster? Well, offensive-wise, obviously I'd take Ortiz because you're always going to get home runs yes. in RBI and yep. not a bad average most of the time. And I mean, he gets on base, so he scores runs. So I think he's obviously the best option because why wouldn't he be? Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of split on Pablo Sandoval. Maybe maybe on him because I'm not he hasn't had the greatest regular season numbers the last couple of years, but maybe coming to Boston he'll he'll pick that up a little bit. So maybe Sandoval. Um, a little dark horse pick on offense, I would say, is Xander Bogarts, because if he has a better year than he had last year, if he can get his average steady, then he's capable of popping some home runs. He's capable of driving in a lot of runs because he'll probably be hitting lower in the lineup, and he'll have some guys on base with the big, the big two through six guys, and he gets a lot of hits, and he probably will get a lot of runs if he's on base that much. So he's kind of a dark horse pick, and going back to to picks, I would have I would definitely go with Mike Napoli because he's had his surgeries he's gotten he's gotten all his problems fixed and he can hit some home runs with the best of them and with home runs comes RBI so I would definitely I would definitely say Napoli so Ortiz Napoli maybe Sandoval maybe Bogarts for offense it's the safe ones I would say I want to say Pedroia but I want to I want to have some proof before I pick him you, you got to see that first yeah because you don't want a fantasy player who's getting like four home runs and like 40 RBI. That's not no. not really fantasy conducive. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's all I got for offense. Do you want me to do the rest of them, or do you want to go offense? I'll go offense. Um, I think I think Han- I think Hanley's a wild card to pick as well. Um, they have him listed on most leagues. It says here as a shortstop and an outfielder, so it gives you that versatileness as well. You can play him in both spots. He's never going to play shortstop this year, but um, you could also listen there. They do have Bogarts on this list, so good job to you. Uh, I'm on Bleacher Report has him in their, in their top six. Wow, I wasn't looking for, at anything. I was just looking at the roster. <laughs> so good job for that. Um, I think for the Red Sox offensive-wise, I would um, – obviously Ortiz, hands down, you take him if you, you can get him, but just production-wise. Um, I would take Pedroia. 
I would take Pedroia. He's solid. If he's healthy, he's healthy, and I would just take him. It's not worth waiting and trying to have to give up too much to get him later once he's good. If you can get him, take him. That's for me. So I would go Ortiz, Pedroia. Um, I would consider taking um, Mookie Betts if he gets the job. Wow. Be- because he's going to get you steals. He's going to get you on base percentage. He'll probably hit leadoff. And he's he, he's a good hitter. So I would take Mookie Betts if he gets the job. Obviously, you're going to have to have someone on another team to back his that up because or because he might not play every day. And because you, you're obviously going to have Ruznake Castillo out there. So I would consider taking Boots Betts um, as a utility guy even. But I think that would be my go. Obviously, Pablo, if he can handle it. But I would go my top guys would be probably Hanley, Ortiz, Pedroia, and then Mookie Betts is like a utility guy off this team. All right, that's fair enough. My int- but basically, what I want to get to is here, because we don't, we don't need to go through the whole roster here, but what I really want to know is do you trust Koji fantasy-wise? Because that's the big thing. Obviously, the bullpen's not going to be too awful, but it's not going to be great. But do you trust Koji Uihara as a relief pitcher in fantasy? Yes. I do. I think he'll, I think he'll be. I think we get back on track, and and uh, he is a strikeout machine, and he has so few walks, and that's that's valuable in fantasy. And if he has such success, then he won't be giving up many runs, and and uh, you'll get those stats. So you won't get a million saves because he doesn't seem to get a lot of save opportunities. But he's got the stats that you want, and if he can be even remotely like he was for the last year and a half, I would definitely take him. Okay. Yeah, no, I would too. I um especially as like. Potentially, as if you need a deep closer later in the year, if you need a, if you want a second closer for, as a relief pitcher, um, I would do that if you really care about the saves that much. Uh, he's obviously a good option. I wouldn't draft him as your first closer. I'm not saying that. We've got plenty of other good options out there. We just listed them. Uh, go get Trevor Rosenthal. Promise you're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> but um, that's a big heart promise. I'm not a Cardinals fan. That's a promise. You will not be disappointed if you draft Trevor Rosenthal. Um, I do trust him though, and I do. Um, so yeah, definitely I would consider it. But we're gonna we're gonna end the fantasy segment there. I think we've exhausted everything we possibly can for now. Um, we'll obviously do it again next week. Any new updates, any new talks? We'll, get, we'll after a week of seeing the Red Sox and teams playing this week, we can change things around. If you have questions, tweet at us on Facebook. Anything we can answer you for who you think you should draft. What do you think about certain players? We'll get to you and we'll do that whole thing once a week. Don't forget fantasy segment. So uh, stay tuned for that. Express um, or something. <laughs> we are. It's great. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with claiming myself an ex, as an expert. Um, okay, so we'll stay with the Red Sox. We're gonna do. We're gonna finish off here with the final part of our AL East preview. Of course, we're gonna preview the Boston Red Sox. Now, if you fill, if you filled in the holes already, you are you already know where Jess and I have the Red Sox. Um, for most people, have them. <laughs> for most people, have them because it's kind of the go-to pick this time of year for the right now. Um, we can just kind of clear the water with that one. We both have the Red Sox finishing first, like most people do. Um, uh, for me, I think there's no question around it saying the MVP of this team is probably going to be David Ortiz. I mean, because not, right? <laughs> because it's been like the last three years, and I just feel like there's no need to even debate that. Because unless someone takes over it, it's fine. But I think right now it's, you can't really not give David Ortiz. He only hits. He focuses on hitting, and he's so good at it. And did you see pictures of him? He's slim. He looks fantastic. He's ready to go. Yeah. He can play for another, like, 10 years with that ball. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. He obviously works hard. Yeah, I don't know what he did. I don't know what he's, what, what, what diet he was well, on. Well, everyone talks about how much he works out in the weight room. 
So I guess yeah, clear, clearly it paid off. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes a difference. It's here for the weight room. Yeah, no. So cheers to David Ortiz for losing weight, and but he's still strong, obviously. So I, I think you got to give it to him on that one. Um, for me, my probably wild card player. I think you got to go X. You got to go Xander Bogarts because if he pans out, this team's going to be even better. Because if you if he pans out to what he's supposed to be, and he gives us flashes, if what he we saw in flashes in the, during the 2013 World Series, man, this is going to be a killer lineup. Because you got to think this lineup is projected to have him hit what seventh, eighth? Yeah, probably seventh. So you have him go and have some offensive production and de- his defense will prove a little bit. That's insane. He hits like 20 home runs and has like 80 RBI. <laughs> it's yeah, a seven so, hitter. That'd yeah, be it, it'd be insane. And obviously he'd move up at that point. But like, that shows how deep this roster can be. Because you have, you'd, have, you'd probably go Mookie Betts, Dustin Pedroia, Ortiz hit third, Hanley hit fourth, uh, I don't know, Sandoval probably hit fifth, Mike Napoli hit sixth, Bogarts hit seventh, and then uh, Castillo if he starts in the center, and then uh, Christian Vasquez hit ninth. Like having Mike Napoli hit seventh makes this lineup deadly in its, in its own right. It's kind of deadly no matter what way you look at it or put anywhere, because, any, anyone anywhere. Be, you, that's why this team's projected to do so well offensively, and that's why the Red Sox are comfortable where they are with their pitching stuff because they know they're getting runs out of this offense. Despite Hanley moving to left field and learning the wall, he can still hit the ball. He's, he's my wild speaking, card, though, because I'm not sold on him just because of his past injuries. If he if he can be really good, like we're talking about if Bogarts can be that good, if Ramirez can be that good, then that's going to be really dangerous. Yeah, if he can stay healthy and be really good, he could also give Bogarts a day off, let him play shortstop, and put and let Nava play left field. Like Hanley can play short still, so you might see that during the year. You probably will see that during the year. Let me let me fix that. You will see that during the year. Um, I'm sure at some point. I think. I mean, as much as I'd, I'd rather him not because he's older and he probably can get hurt more playing shortstop, and I don't think he should. I think John Farrell will just kind of go to it, just thinking, oh well, he can play shortstop. Screw it. Um, but you do still have Brock Holt there. Um, obviously, Mookie Betts can play the infield if you had to. Um, so you have options. I don't think Alan Craig's going to be here that long. I wanted to ask you about so, that. Like, is it is it worth keeping him and seeing if he can recreate what he did before, or is it just not worth I it? I mean, if you do, I know I've, I've heard, he was in a lot of talks if you were to deal Cole Ham- for Cole Hamels or something, but if you kept him and he panned out to what he used to be before the injury, that's a deal. Steal yeah. Because he was an all-star. He was phenomenal. So if you could do that. He was the even, best hitter with runners in scoring position. And honestly, if you did that and traded him anyway, that's cool. Get his value back, trade him, and get something really good for him. Right. But because right now he's not going to play. He's buried. He's second in first baseman depth chart. He's third in the outfield and right field because you have Betts and Victorino on that list. I feel bad for him. Because, <laughs> like, he's stuck here, but he wants to be here, he's saying. He wants to play here. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to say? But, like, if that's true, then good for him. But he, that outfield is so logged in and nothing's been moved that – He's kind of stuck at the bottom because right now your projected outfield Hanley, Castillo, and Mookie Betts left to right. You mean Victorina? Um, <laughs> oh, I guess. I still think Mookie Betts is going to start. But, Not on so, opening day. <laughs> by, from, okay, opening day, Hanley, Castillo, Victorino. You might see Betts in center, but I think you're going to see Ruzne Castillo because he's getting paid an obscene amount of money. Um, and money does talk, obviously. So I think you're going to see that. You're going to see Sandoval, Bogarts, Pedroia, Knapp, and Vasquez behind the plate. And uh, as we know, you're going to see Clay Buckles most likely on the mound. Um, but I just think that outfield is so questionable. And you might they might not trade anyone, and they might keep the logjam in case someone gets hurt or just whatever. Right. But I think, you're, I think Hanley and Castillo are pretty much set 
in left and center because they're getting paid and they're better. And I won't say better. Ruth is a rookie, but like he's 30. So like he's not really a rookie age. He has a better baseball mentality than most of the rookies in this league. He's actually only 27, but I thought he was 30. He's 27. Oh, even better. Cool. Yeah. Still older than most rookies in this league. Much so. older. Yeah. Um, and then Mookie Betts, I think. We'll play, I think we'll be more of a platoon with Shane Victorino, but I think Shane Victorino's going to play and probably get chipped out of here. I think he's going. I think he won't be on the roster by the end of the season. Wow, that's a bold statement. So that's just me. You know, what? I think eventually. Go ahead. I, I no, I just think that his value could go up. Right. And long term, you're going to want Mookie Betts to be playing if you're going to keep him. Yeah, that would make sense if you think about it. It all depends on what their plan is with Cliff Lee and if whether they're not willing to budge. If they want to get rid of Mookie Best, they can get Cliff, uh, Cole Hamels or Cliff Lee. Um, I think it'll take less to get Cliff Lee, obviously, but um, and you're not trading away Swihart. Right. I, I'll be very pissed if they trade away Swihart. But I, I think the Red Sox, this team is so deep in terms of the outfield, and their offensive production is going to be there. This is going to be a dangerous offensive lineup, and I think by default you have to pick them to win the ALEs just because no one else in this division's going to be good. Right. No one has this kind of offense. You know, I feel bad for them. Yeah. Rock Holt. <laughs> I know. He was so good last year, and he's just like, no, nobody's like paying attention to him at all. He's buried. I have a depth chart up. Just out, yeah, just like, so he's second on, He's second on the third base depth chart. He's third on the shortstop depth chart because they put Hanley above him. Jeez. And he's second on the second base depth chart. And you know he'll get his time. He'll play. But he's going to be the utility infielder, and Nava is going to be the utility outfielder. It's too bad because they both really deserve to start. They really do. Nava would start anywhere. Oh else. yeah, he's, he's he would be like an all star if he played every game. Like he would be a good player, and he's but he wants to be here, so he's not going to be he'd throw up a stint about it. He might leave once his contract's out, but I think overall you, you look at this team and you feel bad. But they brought in Hanley, they brought in Castillo. They don't trust their they're, they're getting away from the young guys, and. They got to replenish that farm system, and now they're buying time for that by bringing in Pablo Sandoval. So now they don't have to worry about third base for a while, which means you could see Giacchini out the door if they want to get someone here. Bogarts is there now, which is good. Now Bogarts isn't going to play third this year. We know that. Right. He's your shortstop. Uh, Dustin Pedroia is not going anywhere anytime soon, even though I think you could get great value for him. I'm all for shopping. You have to, you have to throw that every time, don't you? I'm all for it. Uh, Mike Napoli could be gone after next year, and that's a, another reason why you could possibly – Keep Alan Craig to groom him to play out first base. If he could retake re- his former talent before he got hurt, you also could move Pablo Sandoval over to first base. Plenty of options for this team, and you're set. I'm not worried about the offense. The rotation we kind of talked about already earlier, and I think eventually Porcel is going to be the guy getting the ball in big games. I think Masterson's going to be the fifth starter until he can prove otherwise because he's coming off the injuries and he has to deal with getting back to the shape. But I think this is the place to do it. He likes. He never really wanted to leave here, I don't think. He so like getting, to come, getting to come back here is good for him. And also getting to play for Theo in Cleveland probably helped the transition very nicely. Um, but yeah, I think on the rotation, my biggest wild card has got to be Joe Kelly because this, kid, this, guy, this guy's young. He's not that old. And he comes in and pitches well. That's a a two-three starter you have as a four starter probably because you gotta you, you think Wade Miley's gonna stay at the three hole because he's a lefty too which helps so I think Joe Kelly's the biggest wild card for me in the rotation I think my biggest wild card is Wade Miley just because he pitched in the National League and he's kind of the most unknown guy because people know obviously Buckholtz and Masterson from before and Kelly from last year and Porcello from pitching in 
in the AL Central, but Miley's just this random dude who pitched with the Diamondbacks, so I don't think people know much about him, so they probably aren't sold on him. So he's my wild card if, if he can give you like 12, 12 to 15 wins, and that's that's awesome. Okay, so by definition, not knowing much about him makes him a wild card, right? Right. So I guess it's a fair choice, but um, overall, we're both picking the Red Sox to win the division. I don't think there's any question there. So I think that's where... So, Jess, I'm going to ask you, do you remember your order of your division? I believe I have Red Sox 1, Orioles 2, Blue Jays 3, Rays 4, and Yankees 5. Yeah, and right? flip those for me, I believe, yes. Because then I remember, it, for me, it's Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles. Yankees, Rays. Rays. Yeah, Yankees, Rays, because right. you have the Yankees finishing dead last. Right. So, yeah, so there are our finals. So, basically, we both have the Red Sox winning, and then... Take Justice two, <laughs> two, three, four, and five, and flip them, and that's mine. It's going to be a fun year. There's no question about it. And it's going to be interesting. I don't think the Red Sox are going to get above 90 wins, but they're going to certainly be high 80s to mid to high 80s, and that'll win the division this year. And if they get, they might the, the way they get to 90 wins, Jess, is if they get another starting pitcher. Yeah, I think they can get 87 wins with exactly what they have right now. I think so too, but I think to break ninety, if that if that's a concern of theirs, which I don't think it needs to be, no, I don't think so if they break if, if they break ninety, it'll be because they got Cole Hamels or something like that at the deadline. I think that's fair. Because getting Cole Hamels probably adds three or four wins, if not maybe more. Probably more. I still don't. I, I still don't want them. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, I I do if they're in the hunt for a World Series because I want them to win. Right. But I think they could win. Honestly, I think they could be a decent contender with this roster. The rotation is what concerns me because if they don't pan out, right now we're banking on them all pitching well. But like we know Clay Buckholz's history, we don't like you said we don't know Wade Miley. Joe Kelly could blow up at a full season here. Mastin could not recover and be a crap starter. Then you have to worry about maybe potentially putting in Brandon Workman as a fifth starter and putting Masterson in the bullpen. So much to worry about going into this season, and there's a lot to play out. And spring training will probably work out a lot of those kinks, and we'll figure out what we have. But for now, that's what we have. So. That is the end of our preview of the AL East series. Can I do my quick Red Sox notes? Do you, oh, yeah, finish. we have Red Sox notes for you. Go for it. All right, so my Red Sox notes are, one, Shane Victorino is going to attempt to go back to being a switch hitter. He was a switch hitter before before the end of the 2013 season, and then he decided to only bat right-handed because of an injury, and then he only batted right-handed last year until he got hurt. And now he's going to try to go back to switch hitting, so that gives the team some versatility there with him. Then you have Daniel Nava is doing the opposite. He's going from a switch hitter, and he's going to try to be a lefty, only a lefty. That's the hand he throws with, and his mm-hmm. right-handed batting average is under 200. So if he can figure out how to hit lefties with his left hand with the bat, then he'll definitely be a better hitter, no question about it. He'll probably raise his average by 20 to 30 points doing that if if he can have success with that. So there's two switcheroos there. And then my last my last quick note is that I read an article by John Tomase on WEI that Pablo Sandoval was born lefty and learned how to throw right-handed when he was nine, and he can throw an estimated 85 to 86 miles per hour left-handed. And this guy is <laughs> appears to be a, right, a right-hander because that's what he throws with in the field. But apparently he can do lefty, too, so it's a little, I love a little Red Sox tidbit fun fact that I like. Imagine if he pitched and he was ambidextrous. Right? <laughs> he just, like, switches sides of the mound whenever people come to bat. I've always dreamt of that. Like, as a pitcher growing up, I always wanted to get one of those gloves that was for both people and just pitch both. You could pitch every day. Seriously. It'd be great. That would be cool. So those are my notes to finish the show off. Fun way to end the show, though, Jess. Good job. Thank you. You, you held your own. You, you, you get to come back next week. Yes! <laughs> just what I wanted to hear. 
Good. Uh, so yeah. So that was it again. Thanks for again. Thanks to Doug Anderson for coming on earlier. Um, don't forget, of course, the show is brought to you by Lynda.com. Fantastic partner. Go to Lynda.com backslash CNS. Get your free 10 day trial today. 4,500 courses. New added every week. So it's probably a lot higher than that by now. And go on there, check it out, and you get courses like uh, Photoshop, engineering, anything. Anything you can think of is on there. Experts teach them online. You can do it at your own pace. It's great. You learn new things. So go on there, claim your free 10 day trial. Just from listening to us, you're welcome. You get free 10 days. So uh, they're a great partner, and go on there and check them out. Um, just great week as always. Good stuff to talk about. Absolutely. It's, it's time's coming, so we, we're going to have more and more stuff to talk about with games starting tomorrow. So, uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for on CLNS Radio for written coverage of the team this week as they play their games. Um, any fantasy news that we think to bring you, we'll put you on the website. If not, segment starts again next week, everyone. Once a week, new, new fantasy segment. And if any other updates, we'll keep you updated on CLNSRadio.com or any of the outlets. Where we are on social media, so go check those out as well. Um, and, of course, we appreciate any subscriptions and reviews on iTunes or Stitcher, so go on and check that out as well. Um, until next week, enjoy the games this week, and uh, stay out of the cold if you're in the cold. <laughs> It's going to get warmer. <laughs> oh, it is. So, and uh, spring is coming, everyone.